Hello and welcome to Ep 8 of Off The Block Swimming Podcast, Australia's new number one swimming podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Thank you very much for joining us again this week as we have another cracker of a show lined up for you. But before we get to that, I just want to remind everyone that we are now just under a month away from the Pampax Trials, where all your heroes will be back in the pool battling it out to be on the team once again. Kyle Chalmers, Kate Campbell, Ariane Tipness, Mitch Larkin, Emily Seabom, and a whole lot more. So if you're down in Adelaide, make sure you get tickets and get along to watch the superstars of Australian swimming in action. It's on from June 30th to July 4th at the South Australian Aquatic and Leisure Centre. So get out there and support our Commonwealth Games heroes once again. But for now, back to the action. As we chat to a swimmer who will be racing down at the Pampax Trials, we discuss her success, her motivation, turning points in her career, as well as a whole lot more. So make sure you're comfy. Turn the volume up in your car speakers because Ep 8 of Off The Block Swimming Podcast... Starts now. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Oh, he's blowing him away now. Thorpe's gone more than a metre on Vanderhoof's hand. But the symmetry of all eyes is the great Madam Butterfly, Susie O'Neill. He's coming back. Oh, he surely can't do it to him again. Chavis in the white hats. Vets in the black hats. And Vets has got it. I cannot believe he's done that. Thorpe to the front. Thorpe to the hall. Thorpe goes in. Joining us today on the show is a swimmer who is a Commonwealth Games gold medalist. She also has two World Championships medals to her name, as well as an Olympic silver medal from Rio in the women's 4x100 metre relay. She's a current Australian swim team member and in a month's time she will be in Adelaide battling it out with the rest of Australia to try and book her spot on the team once again for the 2018 Pan Pacific Championships in Tokyo in late August. It is my pleasure to welcome to Off The Block Swimming Podcast to Taylor McEwen. How are you going, mate? Hi, good. Thank you so much for having me. No a trouble at all. It is my pleasure. Now, for all the listeners out there, I'm coming to you today once again in the studio up here in Brisbane. And by studio, once again, I mean my spare room. Uh, where have we caught you today? Uh, I've just finished my swim and gym for the day. And lucky for us, we have Friday afternoons off. So I've come home and had some breakfast. And yeah, um, Today's pretty much my study day for our upcoming uni exam. So you've caught me at a really good day. I've got nothing on. It's nice, fantastic. a bit of recovery time. Do you need it? Was it a, a tough session this morning? Um, No, it was all right. I'd say it was pretty moderate this morning. We've got a really tough one on Saturday morning. Yep. And Chris was like to smash us towards the end of the week. So I think he backed off a little bit this morning to give us our best chance of surviving tomorrow morning. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> yeah. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, you train up on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland at USC Spartans with your coach, Chris Mooney. Uh, That wasn't always the case, though. Whereabouts did your swimming journey start as a young girl? Uh, So my first swim club was um, Australian Crawl, which is kind of on the borderline between Caboolture and Bapangari. So it's about maybe 45 minutes north of Brisbane. Yep. And um, I grew up there, went to school there. And um, when I was halfway through year 12, um, found out that Chris was going to be accepting a job at Indra Pilly. Mm-hmm. And 
So, yeah, I pretty much finished year 12, um, moved out of home and followed him down to the city as a young 18-year-old. And, um, yeah, trusted him enough to want to follow him and thought he was a good coach. So I've been with Chris now for uh, about 12 years. And, yeah, I followed him from Brisbane up to the Sunshine Coast here as well. And um, hopefully this is where we're staying because I don't want to move anymore. I really <laughs> like it here. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Now, like so many other coaches, I like to say that breaststrokers are born and not made. Was this the case for you through your junior levels of swimming? Yeah, I definitely think it takes a, a specific body type and, I guess, mentality to become a breaststroker. Um, it's quite harsh on your knees and your hips. So to be um, flexible in those areas really helps. And if you have that from a young age... Um, you know, you have more of a chance of developing into a breaststroker. However, when I was a young swimmer, I would go to, like, the district carnival for school and stuff, and I was always winning the backstroke and the breaststroke events. So I used to quite enjoy doing backstroke, and um, it wasn't until I was a bit older when I was trying to qualify for, you know, Queensland State Championships and age nationals and those kinds of things that I started noticing that I was hitting the qualifying times for breaststroke, but not really any other events. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of where I developed... I guess, my breaststroke skills and decided that that was the path I was going to take and um, that's the stroke I wanted to work on the most. What did you enjoy about swimming the most when you were younger, though? Was it more the training side of it and the social side of it or was the competition? Um, It was actually the competitiveness. I've always been quite competitive. Yep. And um, when we were at school, we did school swimming and we always got put into groups based on our ability. And I remember the first time I was getting assessed, I wasn't put in the top group and I was quite, this is, mind you, this is like when I was in grade three, I was quite upset about that and yeah. um, I thought I was good at swimming because my family had always had a backyard pool and I'd always loved swimming, um, did learn to swim as a youngster, loved it and so when I wasn't in the top group, I decided that I wanted to do something that was going to get me in that top group at school swimming. So. Mum put me in the squad and I was training a couple of sessions a week and then eventually got put in the top group at swimming at school and then, you know, through doing school swimming carnivals and stuff, um, I kind of grew a love for the sport and, yeah, it took off really from there to where I am now. At what age, roughly, did you start to get a little bit more competitive? Uh, I remember um, when I was in grade five, I made my first Queensland state championships for school swimming. Yep. And I made my first final. That was the 50-meter breaststroke final. Um, so I guess I was competitive from that age, and I would have been uh, 10. So, yeah, I've been pretty much competitive swimming from it, from the age of 10, but it wasn't really until I was 14 that I was good, yeah, <laughs> if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, I know Like, what you mean. <laughs> good. Now, as the youngest swimmer coming through the squads, people tend to have some bad habits. Uh, just want to run through a few now with you, and you let me know when you were younger, whether some of these were you as well. Uh, pulling okay. on the lane rope. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Feet on the bottom of the pool during laps. Yes. Toilet break, mid-set to have a rest. Yes, trying to get out as much as possible. <laughs> now, can I ask too, because I have a few swimmers that do this that I didn't know. Do you have a shower too when you went in there? Because I have a few swimmers that go have hot showers. Um, well, I used to hate having a hot shower and then having to get back in a cold pool. So I would just kind of like cop the toilet break, get out of my, get out of the swimming as much as I can and then yeah. go back when I thought they were finished, whatever the hard part was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, see, that's what I thought too. I thought, why would you want to get 
all hot and then jump back in, but I don't know. That yeah, no. Still it, do it. it kind of turns into ice bathing when you do yeah. it like that. I've got special kids. Um, yeah. <laughs> using arms in a kick set. Oh, no. I used to love kick. I still do love it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, have never used – I never needed to, really, yeah. either. Do you love breaststroke kick? Uh, not as much as fly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, never knowing what you're up to in the set because you weren't paying attention. Oh, yeah. I was a serial daydreamer. I still am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing's changed, eh? No, yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, like so many uh, young aspiring swimmers out there today, Taylor, at one stage in your life you were chasing a national and a state time and you had to learn yeah. what you had to do to improve to go to those next steps in your swimming career. Um, what, yeah. thing, what were some of the things you had to get right back then before it all started to click for you and you, you finally qualified for nationals, etc.? Yeah. This is probably one of my favorite things to talk about, um, especially when I'm talking to younger kids who are at that stage, um, because I feel like if I was in their position and I had an older athlete who had been through this telling me this, then I would really pay attention and really try and kind of do what they did. Um, But yeah, when I was younger, uh, I was trying to qualify for age nationals. All of my friends were going to age nationals who I trained with in their squad, and they just made it seem so cool, like they would come home with medals and talk about how they would go to Sydney and yeah. all these other places around Australia. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. Like, I would love to go to age nationals. And I just thought at the time it was like kind of the pinnacle of what I could be doing as a young athlete. So, um, yeah, I had my first goal qualifying when I was 13. And unfortunately, it didn't go too successfully. I didn't qualify. Um, but I gave it another crack the following year as a 14-year-old and I finally managed to qualify. I think I only got under by a couple of seconds, but um, my parents were stoked, and they uh, we were you know we were living in um, Queensland still, and the championships were in New South Wales that year. So we packed up the car, we drove down to Sydney, and went all that way for me to have one race. I just had the hundred meter breaststroke because yep. that was the only thing I qualified in, um, and I didn't make it out of the heats. I came seventeenth. And uh, so I went down all that way for one swim, literally, and then we turned around and went home. So the first attempt at age nationals, I guess, wasn't too successful. Um, Do you look back now, though, and think, you said you came 17th. Do you look back now, though, with all your years of experience Mm -hmm. and hindsight and go, well, I was 17th in Australia? Um, Not really. I'm more glad it happened because of the way my attitude changed after that moment. Yep, yep. So prior to that, I was kind of just coming to training whenever I felt like I wanted to, um, like playing with my friends after school and the street and that kind of thing were taking priority over swimming. So my coach kind of pulled me aside and said, well, look, you've come all this way to age nationals. It's awesome that you qualified. But if you really want to start making finals and potentially winning medals, you have to start training properly. You have to start coming to training more frequently. Mm-hmm. And I listened. I stopped playing softball. I stopped playing tennis and um, with the help of my parents and the drive, especially from my mom, um, we, we started going to swim training more and I was making less excuses as to why I couldn't go to swim training. And yeah, I qualified again the following year as a 15-year-old and we went down to Sydney again. Mm-hmm. However, this time I knew I was in better shape. I knew I was more prepared to race and I ended up winning the 100 and 200 meter breaststroke and coming third in the 200 um, medley. So not only did I qualify for more than one event, but I also won medals in all the events I did qualify in. Yeah. So I noticed a massive difference just from tra- just from training properly, you know, just yeah. from coming up 
training up, doing the sessions, putting in the hard work, um, I saw immediate results and I really loved that feeling. I loved going down there, PBing, coming home with medals and I guess it kind of kicked off my swimming career. So, yeah, I continued to um, kind of dominate through the age group rankings and then, you know, made a few junior teams along the way until, yeah, I made my first senior team in 2014 for the Commonwealth Games. So, I would say it definitely kick-started my swimming career and I'm glad that Chris gave me the hard word as a 14-year-old and said, you know, pull your act together and start coming to training because if he didn't, I probably would have kept doing things at half effort and trying to get by with just that and it it didn't work. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And you just touched on it there, the the Com Games in Glasgow and that's another moment that our young swimmers listening would be dreaming of, one day making their first Australian team and you did that, 2014. Um, talk yeah. to me obviously that long road and the light bulb moment what was the emotions like of making your first team um, prior to 2014 I had an opportunity to qualify for the London Olympics in 2012 yep. so that was my uh, my second ever open national and um, that was before age so back then we had open nationals first and then age nationals a couple of weeks later Um I was really excited to do Open Nationals, although it was quite intimidating racing big names like Liesl Jones and Sally Foster at the time. So I was quite nervous. However, um, I swam really well. Um, I got myself in the women's China breaststroke final and I missed the London Olympic qualifying time by 0.01. So it was a win-lose moment because I'd won my first Australian Open medal mm. in the China breaststroke. But I'd also missed going to the Olympics. So um, that was another turning point where I thought, okay, well, I was this close. What can I do extra to make sure next time I'm ready? And at that point, I was in year 12. And as um, my school, you know, we're quite new. So I was the first graduating year 12 class of my new school. And all the foundation students got to make a tile which represented something about them or who they were. And from that moment when I missed the London Olympics, the only thing that was on my mind when I was swimming and my only real goal outside of school was to make the next Olympics. So on my tile, I wrote Rio 2016. I drew the Olympic rings and I had like me with an Australian swim cap on it. And that got placed on the wall for all the other students who come to the school to see. So it's quite awesome that, you know, I set a goal back then and I managed to achieve it. And of course, you know, there was major stepping stones along the way, such Mm. as, the 2014 Commonwealth Games where I guess I had a real breakout swim and um, it was an awesome way to, I guess, put myself on the Australian team. Um, There's not a lot of rookies who it's their first time at a major comp who can get up and win a gold medal and I was only 18 at the time. So I was thrilled that I managed to go to my first Commonwealth Games and win a gold medal. Um, Looking back, I still don't know how I did it because I was so nervous that day and um, now, like, nerves don't really work for me. So it's just funny how, like, things have changed over the years. But, yeah, that that gold medal um, really kick-started my, I guess, my spot on the Australian swim team and um, my influence as an international swimmer and breaststroker. So, um, yeah, everyone's got to start somewhere. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you don't medal on your first Australian team. I think just making the Australian team is a huge achievement in itself. Absolutely. So, yeah. You were only um, young there. You said you were 18. Did you have any mentors yeah. on that team you could ask advice? Oh, definitely. Uh, my coach had worked with um, Melanie Schlanger before. This was before she was married to Chris Wright. Yep. Um, and she 
was actually my roommate during the Commonwealth Games. And the night before my turn of breaststroke, she could see that I was really nervous and I was tossing and turning in my bed and I couldn't sleep. So she actually took time out of her own preparation and, you know, she sacrificed giving herself sleep to help me. So um, I think that was so awesome. And I probably can say, like, a huge thanks to Mel for that because she really calmed me down and told me, like, you know, Tay, you're not performing brain surgery. You've just got to go in. You've got to swim four laps of breaststroke. Yeah. You're going to be fine, okay? Like, there's nothing to get worked up about. And, yeah, she was so awesome. I guess she was kind of like a motherly figure that I had yeah. when I was so young on the Australian team. And um, prior to that, when we were on stage in camp, I was rooming with Emily Seabom, who had also had, I think back then she had like seven years consecutive on the Australian team. So I was really lucky as a rookie to be placed with such established swimmers who had so much more experience than me, who uh, really helped me out. And now that I'm that person, um, I try to put myself with rookies. Like I roomed with my sister on her first Australian team and kind of gave back a little bit and did what I could to help her out. So nice. it's really nice to see how the cycle goes on like that. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. It's a good part of the Australian team, obviously. Yeah, exactly. I think right now um, we're at a place where we'll kind of look out for each other and everyone's really caring and everyone cares so much about what each other, I guess, is up to and what we're doing. And we're always checking in with each other to see how we're going. So um, I think the Shine Swim team at the moment is doing really awesome. Excellent. Now, we touched on there, obviously, at the, those Com Games, you won gold in the 200 breaststroke. And a moment yeah. that I and obviously so many other Aussies have always wanted uh, is a moment that you got, and it's to hear the Australian National Anthem play while you stand there with a gold medal around your neck. Yeah. Explain yeah. to us what that felt like. It's actually so surreal. And when you're in the moment, there's so much going on that I didn't really have time to, to get emotional to think about the work that I'd put in to get to that point. I was just concentrating on trying to make sure I sang the lyrics right <laughs> and then... There were so many cameras and I was just trying to make sure I was looking everywhere and, you know, getting it right. And then before you know it, you're, you're starting your lap of honour around the pool. It all goes so quickly. And um, the only thing I really remember is my family rushing down to the grandstand to congratulate me and give me a big hug. Like my, my sister and both my parents were there. So that was a real special moment. And um, I actually got to share that with Sally Foster. Yeah. So she got second to me at the Commonwealth Games and having... I don't know, someone I've always looked up to right there on the podium with me was extra special. So to this day, it's still probably one of my favourite swimming moments. Yeah, as I said, yeah, it's a moment we all sort of sit and get to watch you guys get that moment and even we sing along and get goosebumps ourselves. But yeah, it must be a surreal yeah, that's moment awesome. to, to be in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rio Olympics 2016 was a massive meet for you, your first Olympics, yeah. as we touched on just before. Did yeah. being on a few Australian teams in the years leading up to that help prepare you? Or is that something, I mean, is it something you cannot prepare for at Olympic Games until you've been there and you've done it? You definitely cannot prepare for an Olympic Games until you've been to one and experienced it. Yep. Um, things come close. Commonwealth Games comes close because you're in that village situation and you're such a big team. Um, world Championships come pretty close as well because you're against everyone else in the world. But there's just something different about Olympics. There's like a different buzz around the village and you notice that everyone is taking everything so seriously and you kind of think to yourself, wow, okay, like this is it. Like this is the pinnacle of most people's yeah. sporting careers. And We're at the big show. Yeah, like people aren't there to muck around. So, um, 
there's certain situations you've got to adapt to and that's just part of being an athlete. And the ones who can adapt and I guess best prepare themselves for the race um, are the ones who end up doing well. So there's nothing that can prepare you for the atmosphere of swimming at an Olympic Games or the pressure and the nerves felt. Um, <laughs> it was just kind of next level. Talk me through your 100 breaststroke at those games. Oh man, this is also one of my favorite stories because I literally had everything thrown at me that day and um, above all, I managed to to still get to my race on time, which is an absolute miracle. Um, so yeah, the Australian team building was quite far away from the dining hall at the Rio Games. Um, we probably had like a maybe four to 500 meter walk away from the dining hall. Um, so, you know, it took a bit of time and then another 200 meters from that to get to the um, the bus station where we would catch the buses to go to the pool and whatnot. So the morning of my 100 breaststroke, I woke up and packed my bags, was ready to go down and have breakfast and head to the pool. And I found out that the lifts in our team building weren't working and we were on the 13th floor. So I had to carry all my swim gear and my backpack down 13 flights of stairs, which is not really ideal when you're about to race no, a breaststroke event. Absolutely not. You try and save your legs as much as possible. <laughs> so I thought, okay, well, this is not good, um, yeah. but whatever, do what I can. And yeah, I continued to walk over to the dining hall, got to the dining hall finally, only to be told that we weren't allowed to access it. Access it. They weren't letting any athletes in. Um, this was because part of the roof was falling down. <laughs> so I was like, oh, God. I was like, what am I supposed to eat for breakfast? Like, yeah. I've got to be on the bus in 30 minutes. And I started to panic a little bit. So I thought, if I don't eat before this race, like, it is not going to end well. So I ended up walking really quickly back to the Australian team building. Um, and I went downstairs to our like kind of hub area and they had some muesli bars and some coffee and tea and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I ate as many muesli bars as I could, had some tea and I thought, okay, well, this will have to do until I get to the pool. So I was running really late. I ended up missing the bus I planned to catch. Um, I walked really quickly over to the bus terminal. By the time I got there, the bus was full. So then I had to stand up for another 40 minutes to the pool. Yep. Again, by this point, ideal. I had... Exactly. I'd you know, gone down the stairs, walked back and forth to the dining hall, and I had to stand on the bus. And I thought, oh, man, this can't get any worse. I finally got to the pool, and that day, um, I think the wind played a big, a big factor into why everything was breaking, but the air conditioning vent in our warm-up pool had fallen down. So the pool had no air conditioning either. So it was stinking hot, and I thought, this is like... Someone is testing me because yeah. all of this stuff keeps going wrong. Like, what am I supposed to do? So I ended up, you know, kind of rushing through my pre-swim warm-up, got in the pool, did my warm-up super quickly, got my suit on, rushed over to marshalling. I just got there in time. And then walked out from a 100-meter breaststroke hit, and I ended up PBing that race. Yeah. And I think um, because overall I managed to just, I think I was just pumped full of adrenaline, but I managed to be so thankful that I'd made my race on time yeah. that I enjoyed the moment I had behind the blocks. And I didn't feel any pressure because I feel like everything had already been thrown at me that morning. So mm. I was just extremely thankful to get there. And um, yeah, I ended up swimming so well. And the time I did got me that spot on the relay. So I had something to look forward to at the end of the week as well. And um, yeah, it kind of... It's a great story because the coaches always say, like, those who can adapt will survive and thrive, and those who can't, they won't. And I think um, that's a real 
I guess, eye-opener as to how I managed to adapt to survive to suit that morning because there was no way I wanted to miss that race. Um, even if I had to skip warm-up, I still would have been there. So Absolutely. I'm just glad it, it semi-worked out in the end. Yeah, well, it doesn't always run smoothly, does it? I mean, we don't always get the uh, ideal preparation or the ideal meet, so yeah. No, that's right. And the coaches told us that before going to the Olympics as well, uh, especially in Rio. They said a lot of things weren't going to be organised properly and that we had to be ready for anything. And I kind of was just like, oh, yeah, whatever. You know, it's an Olympics. Of course, they're going to look after us. But I was really surprised by that morning. I thought, <laughs> okay, well, I've experienced everything now. Surely the week can't get any worse. <laughs> Um, the 200 breaststroke there, you qualified fastest going into the final with a 2.21.69. Yep. Mentally, is it hard to block out the fact that you are the fastest qualifier in Olympic final or is that just something you, you try and embrace? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, well, for that 200 breaststroke, I knew physically that I was in the best shape of my life. Um, prior to that in training I was doing really awesome times and I was actually excited on stage in camp before we headed into Rio about the opportunity I had in front of me because I knew that I had a chance of winning or a chance of at least making a final or, or getting a medal yeah. you know I knew I was right there and I was ranked third going into that Olympics so I put myself in a pretty good position um, had an awesome heat swim was very controlled qualified third for the semi-final and in the semi, I just remember feeling no nerves whatsoever because in my mind, I thought, this isn't the final. Like, this doesn't count. All yep. I have to do is go out there, swim four laps of the best breaststroke I can and fingers crossed that the time I do is enough to get me in the final. And having that attitude, that relaxed feel before the race, I think really gave me an advantage. And I just remember in that semi-final, I turned at the 150 mark, pushed off the wall. And in both directions, I saw that I was like a body length ahead. And I was like, wow, I'm having like the swim of my life right now. <laughs> so I kind of, um, I backed off a little bit in the last 50 just so I could save some energy and um, go into the following night's final knowing that I had more to give. Yep. And yeah, I did an awesome time, 2.21.6, which was only like 0.2 off my best ever. And that actually, yeah, qualified me first for that final. So I was extremely surprised, um, and then from that moment, I kind of caught myself thinking, oh my gosh, Kayla, what have you done? Like, you're fastest in an Olympic final, yep. and this was something that I never mentally prepared for, because yes, you dream of getting to the Olympics and being in the final, but when we work with the sports psychologist doing visualization and stuff to help us in that moment, this wasn't something that I'd prepared for, yep. and I know some people absolutely thrive off pressure and they get really worked up about who they're racing and they're just out there to race. But I'm someone who really needs to stick to my race plan about things that I've done in training that I know are going to work best and give me the best opportunity to swim well on that day. Mm -hmm. And I knew that was going to be hard to do swimming out of lane four considering everyone around me was so fast and everyone around me was going to have their own race plan. Um, and yeah, I got into that final and I was so nervous. I hated the thought of being behind. So I dove in, I kind of forgot my race plan and I took out the first 100 really quickly, like yep. my fastest split ever in a 200 breaststroke. So I was out really quick in the 100 and then I just remember pushing off the wall at the 100 and seeing uh, Rie Kanito from Japan kind of swim past me in the third 50 <laughs> and I turned for the fourth 50 and I looked across the lane and I saw that there was a few other swimmers who were in line with me. And I thought, oh, no, like, this isn't what it looked like at the 100. At the 100, I was so far ahead. Like, what has happened? Yeah. And then when you start thinking about how far you are behind and how much you're hurting, 
you really start to hurt more. And I just remember the last 50 was so painful and I was kind of counting the swimmers around me to see where they were and what place I was going to finish. I ended up finishing fifth. Um, and I was, you know, I was very disappointed because I swam a second slower than what I did in the semifinal and the semifinal seemed so much easier. Yep. So I think the lesson learned was next time, no matter what lane I'm in, no matter what place, I've just got to do my best to remain calm and not put the pressure on myself and not let external pressure really get to me. And I think um, anytime we go to an Olympics or something, there's always people saying like, I can't wait to win you. I can't wait to see you win gold or I hope you win this race because I've put money on you to win yeah. and things like that. And while some people don't let that get to them, um, when you're at Olympics, you spend a lot of time alone because you kind of do your own schedule about what's going to make you race your best. And so that time spent alone is when those kind of thoughts start to creep in. And I think my biggest mistake was letting those creep in. So not only was I placing pressure on myself because within myself, I so badly wanted to win, but I also felt like if I didn't win, I was going to be letting everybody else down. The people yeah. who had told me they can't wait to see, can't wait to see me win gold. And um, one of my well ex friends now who told me that he had put money on me to win that race. And those things, I think just aren't helpful. And especially like when all the media reports are saying like, you know, Australia is expected to win 20 gold medals at this Olympics. Yeah. You kind of think, wow, like why would you say that? If you know what I mean? Like just let us go there and let us surprise you guys at how well we do. Don't put the external pressure on us. Like we don't need that. There's enough within ourselves that, that's already there. So, and I mean, obviously, yeah, I that, that might not curve. change as far as the pressure from media and, and obviously social media and stuff like that. Is that something you guys have to learn to deal with as well as far as like staying off Facebook? Yeah, and definitely. Like and I think in modern day swimming, it's a lot easier for trolls and for general public to voice their opinions about the swim team and about yeah. the Olympic team in general. So. Mm-hmm. Anyone can go on my Instagram and comment. I can't wait to win. I can't wait to see you win a gold medal. Yeah. And you know, nine times out of ten, I'm going to see it and I'm going to read it. Um. So, I think going into the next major competition, whether that be Pan Parks or World Champs or Olympics, I'm going to do my best to acknowledge what people are saying, yeah. but yeah. not really care too much. Yeah. Um. I think I cared a lot about what people were saying during the Olympics. However, this time, if someone says that to me, I can kind of brush it off a little bit and focus a bit more and I think that comes with maturity as well now that I've experienced that I know what I can do to change yeah I mean a podcast I did not long ago with Ryan Rose she was saying that uh, LeBron James going into um, big games and stuff like that or going into big championships just puts up a blank screen and says zoning out guys I'll talk to you later when it's all uh, said and done and then just basically switches off as well so it's obviously something that um, yeah some people maybe need to look at as well yeah, I think so. And I think um, I remember Kate saying that she was going to do something like that as well for the next major comp because there was a lot of media, um, newspaper articles and stuff kind of hyping up our big names and telling everyone how they were going to win before they'd actually done the race. Yeah. So, yeah, those kind of things can get to swimmers. Definitely. Mate, you still walked away from that meet with an Olympic silver medal with the girls in the IM relay, MC Bomb, uh, Emma McKeon, Kate Campbell. You must have been pretty chuffed with that. I was absolutely over the moon. Um, I was stoked in the first place that I'd managed to swim a good enough hundred times to get me that relay spot because yeah. um, typically I'm more of a 200 breaststroker, but at the Olympics, you know, everything was kind of on. So, yeah, PB'd in my 
100 breaststroke, got the relay spot, and then it was the last night, and kind of all the girls had had a bit of a rough meet. Um, you know, obviously, Kate had had a rough meet. Um, Emily Seabom didn't swim as well as she wanted, although I think Emma was kind of the only one in our group <laughs> who had managed to swim half decently. So yeah. in marshalling, we thought, well, the rest of the week hasn't been what we wanted. Let's make this race the best one. And we kind of went in with such a positive attitude. And in marshalling, we were just having fun. We were chatting, mucking around. Um, and we just kind of lifted the weight off ourselves. And I think that's why we performed so well. Like, we went out there and everyone had a really strong leg. And, you know, Kate really anchored it home for us in the freestyle leg. And, yeah, to come home with an Olympic silver medal, I just, you know, it's it's what you dream of. But until it actually happens, um, <laughs> it's when it, it really is possible. And, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely up there with one of my favorite moments. Um, there's nothing quite like standing on the podium in front of an Olympic crowd with the Olympic rings behind you, holding an Olympic medal. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, not many people get to experience that. So I'm extremely lucky, but, um, yeah, very proud of that achievement as well. Talk to me about your coach, Chris Mooney. I mean, you guys have been working together for a while now, as we said before, and he's obviously a great coach, and we get to see that yep. through your results, Jake Packard, your sister Kaylee's. But what yep. don't we get to see? What is he like as a coach away from um, I think to the general public, Mooney can seem very professional. Yep. And obviously from the results that his swimmers have given, um, he may seem like a really hardcore coach who um, is very result-driven. But Mooney's so chilled out. I mean, he's a typical Sunshine Coast person. Um, he loves his surfing, loves his family, and... Um, he's just very genuine, and I think that's why he has such a popular um, following amongst swimmers and coaches around Australia because he's just so down-to-earth. He's yeah. super friendly. Um, he's almost like a second dad to most of us just because he's just so awesome. Um, and then he has a switch. You know, he'll be professional when he needs to be, but he's great with banter as well, and we love paying out on him, and he loves giving it back. So he may, he keeps things very lighthearted. But, um, yeah, like when I said, when he needs to be stern and tell us how it is, he'll do that as well. Um, but he's always there making sure we're okay, making sure we're handling the training and life outside of training to the best of our ability and um, has always offered to, to help no matter what. So um, I think, yeah, just generally he's just such an awesome person and um, we're very lucky um, to be able to train with him. Now, a question I always like to ask my swimmers is how do you think you would go if you had to coach yourself? How would you go if oh, you had to terrible. coach yourself? I've tried it before. Um, <laughs> uh, last year for New Year's, I went down to Victoria and I went to a music festival for four days. And part of the deal of Chris letting me go to that was that I had to train once a day. Yep. Um, I did one training session out of the four days. And then the second day I went for a run because I just couldn't be bothered swimming. And yeah, so I did maybe like one quarter of the work I was meant to do while I was down there. So self-coaching definitely doesn't work for me because I am lazy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't think you're alone there. I think that's a lot of people as well. Um, I mentioned your sister there, Kaylee, and she's one of Australia's brightest young talents coming through at the moment. How proud are you of what she's achieved so far? I'm extremely proud and I think she shows maturity beyond her years as well, even the way she handles things in training. Um, yeah, like for example, um, the other week we were doing a set of 50s max for time and Kaylee 
wasn't really happy with the time she was doing. So at the conclusion, she stopped and did a little swim down and then got out and did an extra 100 for time just so that she could give herself another opportunity to put a good effort in and put another time on the board. And I was really proud of her for doing that. And she kind of has that attitude towards training all the time. Um, so, yeah, I'm so proud to see her. And, like, from a young kid growing up, she would come around to, you know, like the Commonwealth Games and stuff and watch me swim. But now that it's her opportunity to get up there and do it, I think she's really proud of herself as well because she's always looked up to me. And um, now to see her there doing it all by herself, um, it's awesome. And I always get very emotional watching Kaylee race because yeah. she always smashes it. <laughs> yeah, she's a really, really great racer and she has a really good ability to stay in her own head and do her own thing in her race and not let, you know, if someone else is going out in the first 100 faster than her, she doesn't let that affect the way that she's going to do her own race. She always sticks to her race plan, which I think is a very mature thing mm-hmm. um, and very hard to do even amongst the top athletes. So she, yeah, is a great little racer and I'm super excited that she's been on two Australian teams now. I can't wait to see what her future holds. How do you guys get along in training? <laughs> Sometimes we're good. We actually share a lane. Yeah. Um, so we have a lot of banter and we always pay out on each other. Um, but, you know, we have our arguments from time to time. There was um, a session we were doing last week, actually, and I was doing, uh, it was like 50s from a push max for time. I was doing IM, and I finished my backstroke one and I actually ended up on the wrong side of the lane because I couldn't see where I was going. <laughs> and I just touched the wall, didn't hear my time because I had Kaylee yelling at me, telling me to get out of the way and move out of the way. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, hold on a minute. Like, I've just finished. Let me... <laughs> let me get out of the way first you know she was giving me a bit then and I was giving it back so we do have arguments but at the end of the day we always make up and um yeah we definitely love each other heaps and always support each other I'm just thankful that we don't race the same event (laughs) (laughs) now it was just announced the other day that WA and former Australian swimming team member Tamsin Cook is retiring from swimming to concentrate on her studies which is a shame Uh, she's such a great young talent and we wish her all the best um, yeah. I know you study yourself as well at the moment. Talk to me about finding the balance between studying and training full-time. It is hard. Um, I'm terrible at it. I always leave things to the last minute and somehow I never seem to learn my lesson. Like I've got an exam on Monday and uh, I've got to watch at least 14 hours of lectures before that exam. So we'll see how we go. Um, <laughs> but it's definitely challenging. I'm kind of someone who will kind of skim through uni and be happy with whatever mark I get as long as it's a pass. Um, Because at the end of the day, I just want to get it done. Um, So I don't spend a lot of time really outside of swimming on uni. Yep. But I know I'm going to have to start doing it. So I'm going to have to get better at it, especially as I head into like my second and third years. Um, Yeah. Time management can be hard, especially when you're on a full-time training schedule and there are some days where the training load might be so hard and all you want to do is have a nap, but you can't because you've got uni. So it is hard to balance. And in the past, I've had to make sacrifices like maybe not going out on the weekend, not seeing friends, and staying at home and catching up on assignments and stuff. So, yeah, you do have to make sacrifices from time to time, but you just got to know at the end of the day, it's going to help you get where you want to be in the future. Yeah. What else do you get up to away from the pool? Um, pretty much my life outside of swimming is... Um, Uni, um, I have a few animals at my house as well, so I really spend time with them and, like, taking my dog for, look, for a walk and to the beach and that sort of stuff. Yep. Um, 
But apart from that, I decided that I wanted to start my own business. And so I started Achievers Swim Academy. And um, that grew from my love of teaching kids and, um, you know, how to be better swimmers. So I decided that I wanted to start doing, like, miniature swim clinics. And the good thing is that the timing of that can revolve around when I'm free. So I can book clinics when I know I'm going to have a free weekend. And um, it kind of is really flexible with me and my swimming schedule. So it's fun. I've really enjoyed it. Um, I get to be creative and I get to teach kids and I just love seeing their expression on their face when they learn something new or like you can see them getting real, I guess, benefit out of what I'm teaching them. So it's really rewarding and um, yeah, something that I think while I'm still swimming, I'm going to pursue and then at the end of my swimming career, I might continue down that path or I might follow the path of my degree. Um, it really depends on what I'm feeling at the time, I guess. Do you ever see yourself in some of the swimmers that you're working with? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I did a few swim clinics when I was younger, and I was I was always a little bit starstruck, um, especially when Jess Shipper came to my pool when I was, like, 10 years old. Yeah. And I got to meet her, and that was so awesome. I couldn't even talk. So I can always tell the kids that are quiet are really listening and really absorbing what I'm teaching them. So I can definitely see myself in those swimmers, and... Um, I think the ones who really want to do well at the swim clinics are the ones who are going to go far. Now, Pampax trials are just a, a month away down in Adelaide. How are you shaping yeah. up for that? Um, I was going good. <laughs> so I had a little time this afternoon those games and um, promised myself that I was going to be in better shape for Pampax than what I was for Commonwealth Games. And I was two weeks into training, absolutely loving it, doing great times. Um, and then I got a bit of a knee injury, which is just kind of an overuse injury from breaststrokes. I have tendonitis in two of my tendons and a bit of bursitis and um, damage to my patella as well, which kind of all occurred from, yeah, just doing too much repetitive breaststroke kick. And because I'm so hypermobile, my knees easily go into bad positions that they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, to help settle that down, I had a cortisone injection done and try and relieving, to try and relieve the pain. So... At the moment, I'm doing what I can, um, trying to focus on my three other strokes and training as hard as I can in those until the point where I'm comfortable enough and pain-free enough to be able to do proper breaststroke kicks. So I think um, it's going to be a really fine line between finding the balance into how much breaststroke work I'm able to do leading into pan packs to best prepare myself, um, but at the same time without worsening this current injury. So... Um, I'm pretty happy with how I'm tracking at the moment. Um, the sessions that I have managed to do with breaststroke have been pretty good. Um, and my other students have improved a lot. So um, there's win-lose in every situation. And um, I've just really tried to work more on my breaststroke pool. So um, I think it'll be interesting come Pampax. I think um, my technique might change a little bit to be more upper body dominated where it's usually leg dominated. So yep. it'll be interesting to see how I go. I'm still excited for it though. <laughs> um, yeah, so that training's been good. Now, you're a swimmer who has experienced the highs and lows of our sport. Do you have any advice yep. for our young athletes out there coming through? Um, yeah, particularly when you get older, I think there's going to be more lows than highs because when you're younger, you think to PB all the time yep. and that kind of keeps you on a constant high. However, when you get older, you tend to plateau a little bit because you can't physically possibly PB all the time. So in those low moments where you maybe not be able to PB or you might miss out on an international final, you've got to take those races and really learn what you can from them. Um, so turning a negative into a positive and think, okay, well, the time wasn't great, but what did I do 
wrong in that race? You know, what can I fix and make better for next time? So whenever you have a bad race, I take what I can out of it. I try to learn from it and then I shove it aside and focus on what I can do next. So I never spend too long dwelling on a bad race. Um, usually that night, I'm pretty much over it. So yeah, I always try to keep things positive and take positive out of any negative situation. Sounds like good advice. Now, you've yeah. been on a few Aussie teams with Com Games, World Champs, Olympics, etc. And I want to find out just a little bit more about the Australian team for our listeners out there. So, in your yep. own opinion, I'm going to start a sentence and I just want you to finish it with a name of a swimmer on the team that you think it would uh, best uh, work with. Okay. So, funniest person on the team is? James Magnuson. Funny why? Funny just naturally funny or oh, he's got he great is, jokes? If there's a spare seat at the dinner table that he's sitting on when we're in a group, I'll always try and go and sit there because his stories are just so funny. Like <laughs> He's able to make anyone laugh and he's just so blunt. And I think our personalities in a way are kind of similar. Yep. So, yeah, I really enjoy his um, company. <laughs> uh, the biggest pest on the team is... Biggest pest? Oh, Jake Packard. Still, he does everything in training to try and annoy me, cuts me, poke me, you know, constantly lingering around to try and annoy me. So, yeah, That's definitely Jake. <laughs> uh, the leader or leaders of the team? Oh, I would say probably like the leadership team. Yeah. Um, so, I would say... Even though Emily Seabom's not on the leadership team, um, she's been around so long. Um, she's definitely like a natural leader. Yep. Um, but yeah, other than that, our leadership team are the ones who've really stepped up to the plate. So Josh Bieber, Brittany Elmsley, Mac Horton, Mitch Larkin, all those guys, um, really fantastic leaders. Best singer or dancer on the team? Oh, best dancer is Clyde Lewis. Um, <laughs> got to see a little bit of his dancing. <laughs> During Commonwealth Games, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. Can um, cut a rug? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, uh, we don't really have any singers, though, unfortunately. Well, it's probably for the best if they're not uh, if they're not that good. Yeah, definitely. We're swimmers for a reason. <laughs> Actually, there was a song that the Australian swim team sang not long ago, and I don't think it did very well. So there's probably a reason for that. Um, the yeah, person definitely. who gives the best advice. Um, she's not a current swimmer, but it definitely relates to me. Um, I'd say Mel Wright, just because when I was a junior, she was always like very caring and willing to give me whatever advice she thought was necessary. So, and she's done that for a lot of people as well. Um, and I guess now I'm in that position where I'm kind of giving the younger ones some advice. So if I fly back to when I was younger, I'd definitely have to say Mel Wright. Very nice. Uh, I think we'll wrap it up there, Taylor. Thank you very much for agreeing to come on for a chat today. I know how busy your schedule is right now, and I appreciate you taking the time to come on and share some of your stories. Good luck no down in Adelaide next month. We look forward to seeing you racing once again and hopefully getting you on for another chat somewhere down the track. But yeah. until then, thanks again for coming on Off The Block Swimming Podcast. Awesome. No worries. Thank you. Our show is proudly brought to you each and every week by the good people at Way Funky, the great company in charge of the Funky Trunks and Funkita brands. They are one of Australia's leading swimwear brands, making pools all over the country just that a little bit brighter with their original designs and colourful prints. 
Make sure you go online today at wayfunky.com to check out their latest ranges and deals on not only swimwear, but activewear, beachwear, and accessories. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Oh, he surely can't do it to him again. Chavish in the white hats, Vets in the black hats, and Vets!